You're listening to your Dental Top 5 podcast with Amanda Hill, informing you on the top trends in dentistry every Thursday. Brought to you by the creators of A Tale of Two Hygienists podcast. And now, here's your host, Amanda Hill. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Your Dental Top 5, where we take trending topics in dentistry and break them down into five usable highlights that you can take back to your op, your life, or just look smarter at your next dinner party. I'm your host, Amanda Hill. So before we launch into today's episode, we're going to start a new series at the beginning of each month where I get to tell you about my current favorite things. And of course, it will be a top five. So my top five current favorite things are Vital Proteins Collagen, and it actually goes along with number two, which is vitamin D drops. So every morning now when I'm making my coffee, I'm putting in a scoop of this collagen and two drops of vitamin D because I've learned from different podcasts on the Dental Podcast Network, by the way, about the importance of vitamin D. Stasha Gomenek on A Tale of Two Hygienists taught me all about that. And the collagen I learned about from Reflections Health. And I've been doing it for a while now. And I really have to say, I think I'm seeing a difference. So I recommend those. The third thing that I'm super into is my husband is about to go into Invisalign. And I found this awesome retainer case called Smiler Saver. And it actually is this magnetic case that hooks to the back of your phone that he can put his aligners in when he needs to take them out to eat or if he has to give a big speech and he doesn't want to have them in. It's super cool. Check it out. The fourth thing that I'm into is life leap coaching. I have hired a life coach and oh my gosh, I am getting stuff done and I feel more clarity. And anyway, Michelle Galloway is amazing. I highly recommend checking out life coaching. And then the last thing is my friend Janice sent me Dr. Fauci socks. And if you haven't ever been on my Facebook page, I recommend you go and see my awesome Dr. Fauci socks, which of course I wore my Dr. Fauci socks when I got my vaccine because I figured he would help me ward off any side effects. So that's my top five. Now on to the show. So this week's episode, I think, is a great one because it's something that we're doing a lot more of than maybe we were ever doing before. And we can figure out, are we even doing it well? Are we doing it right? How can we do it better? So this week, we're going to talk about instrumentation. And I don't know if you're the same as me, but when I hear the word instrumentation, there's one name that pops in my brain. And so I've asked her to be a guest. So today we have Dr. Joy Boyd-Holmes on to talk to us about the top five things that clinicians are getting wrong in instrumentation. And in true Dr. Joy fashion, she actually has six because she's that special. So thanks for joining us, Joy. Thank you, Amanda. Um, Good morning. I'm not sure when you're going to listen to this podcast. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And thank you so much for having me. Um, It is a pleasure to be able to do this with you. I always enjoy our time together. So I am excited. I absolutely love any time I get to spend with you. And so I'm excited about this podcast in particular because you know, COVID really had us pulling out instruments that maybe we never touched before, maybe we never thought about before, but it certainly had me going, crap, I don't think I'm nearly as good at this as I thought I was because I probably had gotten a little over-dependent on my ultrasonic scalers. Absolutely. Um, And it's, Ultrasonics is still standard of care. So that's the first thing that I want to put out there. And I think that we are going to get to a point um, 
in about five to 10 years, once we've accepted the science, that not every patient requires you to pick up a hand instrument. It will certainly just be sufficient for you to use an ultrasonic, but it really is important for clinicians to understand that you have to be able to use your ultrasonics and your hand instruments equally as well, because there will come a time when you can't use your ultrasonics. And in fact, not all patients um, are eligible to have treatment with the ultrasonics. So that is always just important to know. Absolutely. So Dr. Joy, what makes you an expert on instrumentation? Tell us a little bit about yourself in case people don't know who you are. No problem. So I have been practicing dental hygiene since 1997. I actually started in a dental office as a front desk uh, administrator when I was 16 years old. And I've just always been fascinated with instruments. I think my love for instruments certainly came in hygiene school. Um, with my perio teacher, uh, Marie Gillis, and she just really always talked about the importance of having sharp instruments and using instruments where they are designed to be used. After graduating, I was fortunate enough to work with a prosthodontist who happened to also be trained as a periodontist, and they were very big on instruments. I never had to worry about, oh my gosh, I have to use the same instruments over and over again. I had a fresh pack for every single solitary patient. And I watched him, you know, as a new hygienist, it's not uncommon for people to have to come behind you and remove deposit, right? It all happens, guys, so don't sweat it if it happens to you. But I was amazed at how he was able to use his instruments. And for me, I wasn't trained on ultrasonics in school and working with the periodontist um, who didn't always have a ultrasonic available for me to use, I had to learn how to scale and I had to be good. I had to get it all. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough to have an hour per patient and we know that it doesn't always take an hour. So I actually would take the extra time to start practicing and I just practice and practice and practice and practice. And then, you know, I would go to trade shows and what's the new instrument? Let me find the instruments. I think as an educator, I became even more in, uh, interested, especially um, I had to do something for my master's degree. Um, I talked a lot about the importance of instrumentation in preclinical dental hygiene. And then I just started ordering instruments like crazy. I have a problem. My husband has told me that I have a problem. My kids say that I hoard instruments and I may. One day I'll share a picture of all that I have. But it's just so amazing how many instruments there are available for us to accomplish what it is that we need to do. And I think that people need to take advantage of that. And just like patient care is not a one size fit all, every patient is different. So is every tooth. And you need to have your armamentarium. You need to be able to select the instrument that is designed to do the job it's supposed to. We need to stop making do because at the end of the day, we're causing harm to ourselves and the patient, but you just can't see it. Exactly. So some women collect shoes. Dr. Joy collects instruments. I used to collect shoes. <laughs> I'm just, you know, you know, my kids got into sports uh, really heavy and it's like high heels just didn't really work on turf. So uh, I had to hang up the heels and had a thing for handbags. And now I just carry a, a wallet. Um, so I've evolved to hand instruments. You should try it. <laughs> they take up a lot less room in your closet, too. <laughs> Absolutely do. Well, let's launch into the top five. So what's the number one thing that clinicians are getting wrong when it comes to instrumentation? 
So um, as far as instrumentation, um, we you and I talked about this prior to the podcast, is that clinicians um, are not instrumenting their instruments. Um, and, and what do I mean by that? Number one, um, clinicians are forgetting the basic principles of instrumentation. Um, if you look at anything in life, and I like to use a lot of sports analogies, the one thing that I find fascinating, I'm going to use football as an example. Each time they start a um, season, they always review the fundamentals, no matter what level you're playing it. So it could be five year old, a five year old team, 10 year old team, high school, collegiate level. And even in the NFL, they are always reviewing those basic principles because they are the foundation for everything that it is that they do throughout the season. And it's the same thing with uh, dental hygiene instrumentation. Um, they think that their instruments are going to last forever, and they don't. What dental manufacturers will not tell you, and it doesn't matter whether you're sharp and free, stainless steel, um, and I don't want to shout out individual companies, but it doesn't matter who you are. No dental instrument lasts more than two years. And depending on your patient type, how often you're using that instrument, it could be six months. So six months to two years max. And when I say two years, that means that you're not even putting that instrument in rotation on a daily basis. So um, that is very frustrating. Um, we talked about that one size fit all approach. Um, you can't. What I what I think is funny is that you'll have a lot of hygienists say I'm experienced enough to use one instrument to clean the whole mouth. Ooh, what instrument's that? <laughs> so some people will say, you know, they use a 204S. Some people will say they use that Nevi 4. Um, it, it just depends. And in certain situations, like a really healthy mouth, you should be able to. But it is not a badge of honor for you to come to me to say I can use one instrument to clean someone's mouth who is periodontally involved with five and six millimeter pockets. Because you're doing the patient a huge disservice and you're doing yourself a disservice. So that's not appropriate. Um, we know that statistically we, that our patients, what, 80 percent of patients have some sort of periodontal disease and we want to blame it on the patient. Not realizing that because we are not instrumenting our instruments, using them the right way, how we should, selecting the right tool that we're causing the problem. We're gouging the cementum, we're leaving deposit behind, we're not removing all of the biofilm. So um, it's it's definitely a, a problem. Um, people don't realize how important dental hygiene instrumentation is until you have to actually do it the right way. I have to say, I never took an in uh, instrumentation CE course until the COVID shutdown. And you actually did one. Uh, you did a, a webinar series. And so I took that webinar series. And that's the first time I'd ever considered instrumentation as a continuing ed. And and I can't believe that I never thought about it before that. Like, that was silly. That's what we're doing all day. Absolutely. Um, I knew that it was important. So I teach instrumentation. And, you know, I always thought it was important. I would always tell faculty, come into instrumentation. If you come into instrumentation, being in clinic becomes so much easier for you. And the constant feedback I received is that I, I can't believe how much I had forgotten. But coming into this course, you now start to pay more attention to your ergonomics and how you're holding the instrument and your positioning and your fulcruming. All of those things that if you're not being mindful of, 
predisposes you to those musculoskeletal disorders, which we know is a problem. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, a- it's, it's why people are leaving. Absolutely. All right. Well, what's number two? We're going to talk the whole time about number one and never get to the rest. <laughs> so number two um, comes out of instrumentation a little bit, uh, just because I think as a profession, I am just a little disappointed about what we're seeing. I think more than ever. So this would be like my top five issues in, in dental hygiene in general. Um, I think we are so much more divisive than, than ever. We We find reasons for us to go off and do our own thing. And I think that we are living in a time where you, you, we need to find more things that unite us because we are stronger together. Um, COVID, when that hit, uh, you know, people, if you were in any of the dental hygiene groups, I mean, I just could not believe some of the things that I was reading. And then you have, you know, Political differences, um, different causes divide us. You know, of course, people are not satisfied sometimes with our professional organization. And that's not to, you know, take away from anyone's feelings. But I feel like we if COVID has taught us nothing is that they treat dental hygiene like the stepchild of the healthcare professions. And I have a I think we can all agree with that feeling. Yeah. If yeah. that didn't show us anything, and I'm thinking, how how good would it be for us to pick one issue, autonomy, um, for us to just come together on? And it, once we become autonomous, go about your business and do your other things. And, you know, people creating other organizations are doing great work. But together, we are stronger. And if we could just come together to show the world that we are badass it's just like, oh, my God, we, we could be so much better. So that that is a, a number two issue. Well, even along with that, I mean, if we wanted to bring that into instrumentation, that could be in, you know, how you learn about new instruments on the market is through community. It's through talking to other hygienists. It's part of being together. Like you mentioned the Nevi. I had never even heard of the Nevi until I did a podcast a while back with Anika Forbes. And she talked about, she was talking about temping and she's like, I never temp without a Nevi. And I, I had an opportunity to get some new instruments and I was like, well, I should get one of those Nevis. And I got it and I was like, man, this is a cool instrument because I've still been using my H67 that I got back in hygiene school because that's the instrument I knew from hygiene school. And I didn't take the time to learn about new instruments. Absolutely. Um, And then, you know, I guess this kind of piggybacks on instrumentation um, as well. This would kind of be like my number three. We underestimate our value. Amen. Some people who still think that they are, you know, I don't mean to offend anybody, but we're not flicking pick checks. We do more than just clean teeth. We really need to understand how important we are to the healthcare team. We as dental hygienists have the power to change the trajectory of health outcomes. As we know, we can't just concern ourselves with the mouth because everything we do is connected to the body. So we are having to learn things about the body in addition to the mouth. Um, we are prevention specialists. That is what we are. And um, I don't want people to dim their light and think that all they're there is to do is to rotate patients every 30 minutes. We've got to do more. Again, we, we are the ish. You know, we are we are just phenomenal. And so, you know, what I encourage people to do is the next time when someone says, what does a dental hygienist do? Ask them how much time do they have on their hand? You know, tell them what you do. Tell them, you know, what you learn. And it's it's just amazing um, 
what we can do. We have so many phenomenal people in this profession doing so many amazing things. And I could not be prouder to be a dental hygienist. Uh, I just I just love it. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think a lot of that goes into, you know, I think when I thought about dental hygiene as, you know, a young kid, you know, 16, like I want to be a hygienist. I work from eight to five and then it's done and that's all I do. Mm -hmm. And now, um, you know, it's really getting out of that mindset and making sure that you are really reaching and always learning, Mm -hmm. learning about instrumentation, learning about the oral systemic connections, all of those kind of things. And 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 making sure that you are definitely there to be that healthcare professional that we are. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so moving on from that, I think we yeah. limit ourselves. Um, and, and again, um, that was never more apparent to me than COVID. It was really sad and frustrating. Um, just reading some of the commentary and the hygiene groups that a lot of hygienists didn't feel like they had a way out. And it's just like, oh, my God, you're the second biggest producer in the office. You have a voice and you need to utilize that voice. Um, I think it really, really is important for hygienists to know that they should speak up. They should demand better instruments. They should demand better conditions. And you can't wait until the freaking pandemic happens to, to now realize that you have a voice. Um, and in saying that, you talked about continuing education for uh, instruments that you never thought about that. People need to realize that continuing education is not just to get your license. It is to position yourself to be a better healthcare provider. And I think when you equip yourself with that information, um, you no longer feel like you don't have a voice. You don't have to place those limits on yourself because you can become more confident and courageous in what it is that you're saying. And um, I think you understand your worth a little bit more and, and actually understand, hey, my opinion matters in this office. And without me, you don't function. So I think that's yeah, really- and, and And definitely, I think sticking up for ourselves. I mean, a dentist would never work with a dull, crappy burr. And yet somehow we are expected to work with dull, crappy instruments that are 10 years old. And and I think being able to, in, a, in an educated, respectful way, say, you know, Dr. Smith, uh, you know, you, you change your burrs out all the time. My instruments are the same as your burrs. I need them to be sharp. I need them to be effective to be able to deliver the care that we want for our patients. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting that you said that because very early on, I graduated in 97. Um, I was working downtown D.C. at the time and I, it was three hygienists in the office and I couldn't stand the instruments we were using. And I was taught that you should never use retipped instruments. Um, again, I didn't use ultrasonics a lot, but I, li- I like to do a lot of the root debridement. So my hands started to hurt. So I realized that I needed new instruments. And in order to get new instruments, not just for me, but for the other three hygienists, with cassettes, eight a piece, and then three for the root debridements. I bought scientific articles in there and I said, this is why I need new instruments. So this leads me to my next point. We as a profession refuse or some refuse to adopt the science. If you are practicing the same way that you were practicing 20 years ago, using the same instruments that you were using 20 years ago, shame on you. Amen. I'm singing a little song in my head right now. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it has changed. It has changed. And it's like I remember saying to someone very prominent in the industry there, you know, you don't have to pick up your instrument. And I love instruments. We just had that conversation. Right. 
you will not have to pick up your instrument for every single solitary patient. She's like, oh, absolutely not. I, I, I will never believe that. But you just said you follow the science. Follow the science and the fact that, you know, I think people are giving more attention to ultrasonics now. Back in the 80s, they were saying how much more beneficial it was to use the ultrasonics over over hand instruments. Not you can do really good job, a really good job with your hand instruments, but you have to follow the science. People still say, no, I'm going to tell my patient to floss no matter what. Can we get away from flossing and really just speak about interdental care? How about right? So I love what Michelle Strange says. She's like, I, I can't believe the magical properties we've given floss. Like <laughs> she says that all the time. I love it. Like it's not as magical as we want it to be. I, I know. So, um, you know, follow the science. The science is telling you that your dental instruments don't last 10 years. The science is telling you that every, the minute you sharpen your instrument, you change that working. And Lori Lauder, especially when I sharpen it because I'm crappy at it. <laughs> But Lori Lauder did an excellent study um, on sharpening of the instruments. And no matter how proficient the clinician was, they were changing the working end of the instrument. So follow the science. I love it. That would be my top. I think we did six, Amanda. <laughs> nope, you didn't. Nope, you've done five. You didn't. You didn't do number six, your bonus, which is refuse to acknowledge hygiene as a business. Yes, 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 yes. That irks people when I say hygiene is a business, but healthcare is a business. When you go to the hospital to receive care, when you go to your doctor's office for your your annual checkups, they're still running a business. And hygiene is very much a business. Um, you do not have to compromise patient care to be profitable. Um, again, I always had an advantage as a clinician because I started off at the front desk. So I got to see how the business of dentistry worked. And I understand that your dental hygiene department is really a separate business within a business. Do you know your numbers? Do you know how to run your day sheet? Do you know if you're even giving getting credit for the procedures that you perform? Do you know how to code? This is why I could always stand out. This is why I could always run circles around people and what made me more of an asset to the office because I understood those things. Um, I think sometimes hygienists are content to say that's not my business. That's not my concern. But then when it's time for you to ask for a raise, you can't justify why. You got to bring your receipts to the table. I knew that my perio production was 48% of my overall production. And at the time, the industry standard was 33%. So, uh, no, yeah, you should give me a raise. And this is why. So you have to understand the business aspect of what it is that you are doing. So very important. Well, and what I've always found, you know, we, we hate, you're right. We hate saying that it's a business. But I got to say, what what I've always found is when we're doing right by our patient, the business is doing right. Absolutely. They go hand in hand. Absolutely. Like there are times when I didn't do anything but talk to my patient and maybe have the uh, did the comprehensive perio exam and just x-rays. But that patient, I was building a rapport. That patient trusted me. So every three months that patient came in, I didn't have to upsell fluoride because they understood the benefit of it. I didn't have to upsell a sealant for a 50-year-old who absolutely needed one. I didn't have to upsell an electric toothbrush and I didn't have to beg, borrow, and plead for you to accept this um, periodontal treatment because I understood the business of it. So um, that's just one thing I need to throw out there. Know your codes, know how to run your numbers, look at your day sheet every day. Very, very important. 
I love it. I love it, man. You're just empowering hygienists everywhere. All right. So Joy, you have a special top five for us, right? You have a a top five within a top five. (laughs) I do. This is my top five instruments. Um, (gasps) Top five favorite instruments. I love it. What are they? Favorites. So I'm going to save the best for last. So I would say, and you mentioned this, the H67. I'm a little old school. That's an old school instrument. I got to tell you, I still love it. <laughs> that 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 sickle in, um, I, I, actually in the jacquette, I should say, or jacket, people say it differently. I just absolutely love that instrument for the anterior teeth. Absolutely love it. Um, second, and this is more of a new instrument, I love a double or dual Gracie. Some companies call it a double Gracie. Some companies call it a dual Gracie. And what that is, is that they've taken the features of a universal instrument, they've combined the features of an 11, 12, and a 13, 14. And if you tell me that you're able to clean an entire mouth with that instrument, I might not look at you as strange because it, you know, <laughs> but it, it, what I love about that is number one, I don't have to keep picking up instruments back or forth. And I did a whole presentation on every time you have to pick up an instrument, you're, you're wasting time and you're wasting money because there are some practice management experts that can tell you to the second how much money it costs you when you're wasting time. But um, you don't have to have as many instruments on your tray either. So maybe that means more kits that you can rotate throughout the day and then you're preserving the life of your instrument. Well, and ergonomically, it might be better too, because you're not twisting. You know, you're not doing the twist. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The next would be the McCall's 1718. So that's like my universal Absolutely love that instrument. And I actually uh, stumbled upon that instrument temping. So that's why, I mean, for the first 10 years of my life, I I temped. I always kept a day free to temp because you learn what you love and what you hate and what you won't accept. Um, Next, tried and true is the Gracie 1314. You can do some amazing things with that instrument. Um, I have learned that when you flip the toe, you can actually use it on the mesial. That is such a wonderful instrument. And it's very intimidating. A lot of people stay away from their area specifics. But let me tell you guys, don't be afraid of it. And I think I learned to love it because when I temp, that was the only sharp instrument on the tray. So I had to learn to use it. I was forced. Nobody was using it. (laughs) Nobody was using it. And so I learned to do amazing things with that instrument. Um, A Barnhart. Um, Love the Barnhart. Love that is just one of those all I like all purpose instruments that you you know they're still you do specific things with them, but you can do a little bit more than you you could with let's just say it instrument that is specifically designed for one area, but my all time favorite and of course this is more than five because it's me right because it's dr joy it's dr joy my all time favorite instrument is the flex floor. And I, I hate to name drop, but the Flexplorer, it is uh, sold by, um, it's LM Instrument. And the reason why I like this particular um, instrument, number one, because of the silicone handle, which I have absolutely fallen in love with. But it is the thinnest Explorer, in my opinion, on the market. As um, an educator, that was something that we um, actually looked into and we asked other companies, could they thin this the, their Explorers out? Um, like this particular Explorer was, you feel everything. When I say you feel everything, and if you, first of all, you should always have an Explorer in each and every one of your setups. 
period, point blank in the story. You cannot debate me on that because you'll never change my mind. But I got I got to try this. This is I'm, I'm an ODU 1112 girl, but I graduated from ODU. So um, but I, I'm going to try this one now. I'm going to send you one. It is life changing. Oh, I'm excited. Changing you, you. It's so funny that you know their tagline is "Feel the difference," and it's so when I'm like, "You're gonna feel the difference," and I'm like, "Oh, here we go with the tagline again." I love that instrument. It, it's just cool. like students would have their, um, their, you know, typical eleven twelve. I would walk out of my office with my eleven twelve, and I like Dr. BH. That's not fair. I'm like I know, but I feel everything with this. So there you go. My top six. I love it. I love it. I love that we managed to squeeze in two of these. Well, um, Dr. Joy, if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? They can reach out to me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Dr. Joy RDH on Facebook. I am Dr. Joy, comma, RDH. And of course, they can reach out to me via email info at Dr. Joy And then my website, which is currently being updated, but it is Dr. Joy That sounds easy. Yeah. Well, everyone, we all know that only four out of five dentists could agree. So if you have something to add to this top five, or you have an idea for a whole nother top five, email me at amandahillrdh at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to include your dental top five. Make it a great day. Thanks, Dr. Joy. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of your dental top five. Be sure to join us next Thursday to hear more from Amanda. 